You're about to listen to a message from Every Nation Church Midrand, the place where people come to be changed and discipled to transform society. So I believe God has, has something for us this morning. Um, we're continuing with our Defeating Giants series. Amen. Hey, I'm excited. Sure, this has, been, this has been incredible, and I think we'll look, on, look back on this and believe in God for years to come. So yeah, they send, their, they send their greetings, and obviously they'll be with us next week. Please don't make sure. I mean, please, whatever that English, eh. Hey, guys, you know what it's like? Some of us, we only have English. So when it goes, like, it's a problem. It's, then we have no, there's nothing else. There's no, yeah, there's no other to fall. I guess we could speak in tongues, but then we need an interpreter. Anyway, so our grand finale of this series is next week. Amen. So the best is yet to come. We're building up to something. It's going to close off, round off nicely. I believe we're going to be significantly empowered. Things have been done as we go along, but it's all going to come together next week. Make sure you don't miss next week. Hallelujah. Even if you haven't brought someone, bring them next week. Amen. Okay. Just even, even one session is better than nothing. So they'll receive a lot. So we, we're looking at defeating giants at the peak this week. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Defeating giants at the peak. So we looked at we looked at defeating the enemy within. That's where we started. Um, we then moved on to defeating giants in the path. Before before I go there, I'm really believing God that He's going to empower us today. I believe there's a peak ahead for each one of us in the not too distant future. You don't have one peak in your lives. You have many. But I believe there's a significant peak. And I believe that, you know, this whole series has been preparing us for something. It's going to come together this week. <clears throat> and I'm really believing God that, you know, he'll do more than, more than what I have to say this morning. So as I'm, you know, probably I'll say a couple of words and, you know, drop some things and whatever. But as I'm saying that, I'm praying that God would speak to you. No, in fact, I'm not praying. I believe that God would speak to you about what does your situation look like? There's no way that it can be covered, all of it can be covered from here, but the Holy Spirit can cover it. Amen. That he will speak to you and say, listen, this is what I'm saying to you now. This is what you need to prioritize. This is what you need to focus on. I believe there is, a, I really believe that as I was preparing, and I don't think we'd do this, you know, series or this, this, this topic if it wasn't like that, but I believe there's a peak ahead for each one of us. There is a peak there, but it's going to look different. The journey there is going to be different. You need to hear God for yourself. You need to hear God. What are you, like, what is he, he would have dropped stuff already during worship, you know, would have been saying some things. You need to take that on board. He's going to whisper to you and say, okay, this is your journey. This is your path. This is how you need to go. For the next stage, the next phase, this is what it looks like for you. It's not going to be the same as anyone else, but it's going to be custom made for you. So as we go into the word, I believe God's been speaking already, but as we go into the word, open up your heart and say, God, speak to me. Just, just speak to me. I need to hear. Your word is coming forth. I need to hear from you for the next stage, the next phase. I believe there's a peak ordained for each one of us in the not too distant future, but there's a journey, there's a, there's a pathway to get there, and that's what we need to hear more than anything else. Hallelujah. Amen. So, as I said, we looked at defeating the enemy within. We started off with the internal. We looked at defeating giants in the path, those things that tried to stop us, take us head on, whatever, take us out, whatever it might be, um, stop us from moving forward as we're moving. Um, 
Then we looked at giants of destiny. I think we dealt with some serious things there. And then giants of falsehood, which was also very significant. And now we're looking at dealing with giants, you know, at the peak. We are continuing to move. Amen. This is probably the most important thing you need to remember. They are very different. Giants at the peak are very different. You haven't faced them before. Maybe a little bit here and a little bit there, but I can tell you, you haven't, you haven't, there's a way the enemy, enemy modifies himself for different situations, for different needs, for different seasons. At the peak, they're not the same as when you're on the way. When you're in the valley, when you're internal, when you're moving, at the peak, it's not the same. It's not the same. At the, when you're on your way, when you're moving on your way, there's things that are trying to stop you head on. They're trying to stop you from getting there. They're trying to help stop you from climbing, stop you from, you know, dealing, conquering, overcoming some things. When it's at the peak, let me, let me say it properly. When they're at the peak, they act as if they're your friend. So I guess what I'm, what I'm trying to say is, Whatever you've seen before, don't think that when you get to the peak or when you really step into something, it's the same kind of battle. It's not. It's not the same battle. It's not the same fight. It doesn't require the same strategy. If you use the same strategy, it's obviously not going to be effective. It's not the same strategy, and it needs a different approach. When we get to the peak, they pretend to be your friend. There's, 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 there's a craftiness, there's a, um, there's a subtleness, they want to weaken you, they want to corrupt you, and it, often, yeah, you know, and it often happens little bit by little bit. It's a very different, it's not this head-on, in-your-face, you know, it, it's different. It's like, oh, no, we're all friends, you know, let's put our you know, arm around each other, we're all in the same group, not realizing that this, you know, it's something moving, and it's trying to take you away. Amen. So we'll look at that now as we get there. But just so you know, it's different and it needs a different strategy. So you can't approach it the same way as when you're on the path or when you're moving to a peak. Once you're at a peak, what you find there is different because you're at the peak. Amen. So I'm going to start off Second uh, Chronicles chapter 32, just maybe looking at someone who, who didn't do so well in an example of when he got to the peak. So this is King Hezekiah. You can actually look at a, at a lot of the, the specifically the Judean kings, some of, especially some of them who rose. They did amazing things. I don't think any one of them, you know, they, they rose, but then they, or every single one of them ended. I don't think there's, there may have been one, but n- most of them didn't end well. Even if they had 20, 30 years of success, they still didn't end well. You can't take your eye off the ball for a moment. I know it sounds like something we just throw around, but it's serious. The enemy is always there. Sometimes he'll be shouting at you. Sometimes you'll be, you know, drawing alongside you. So, okay. If we start at Second Chronicles uh, chapter 32 from verse 20, you can also read this, the same story, uh, different, different information, different content. In Second Kings, I think it's 18, 19, and 20. You can read the same story about Hezekiah. And then interestingly enough, it's also got, I think, two or three chapters in Isaiah as well. Um, towards the, towards the 30, um, 35, 36, 37, towards, just before Isaiah chapter 40. So, yeah, if you want to go and have a look, it's interesting that it comes in all those books and it's for a reason. And let's start at verse 20. It says, excuse me, Now because of this, King Hezekiah and the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos, 
prayed and cried out to heaven. Then the Lord sent an angel who cut down every mighty man of valor, leader, and captain in the camp of the king of Assyria. So what had happened, quick context, is um, the, Assyria, the king of Assyria had come and he'd taken away the whole of Israel. So you remember, after David, it went to Solomon. After Solomon, the kingdom split. So then there was Rehoboam and, and Jeroboam. So it split. So 10 tribes, 10 tribes went to Jeroboam, two went to Rehoboam. The two got called Judah, they remained with the name Judah, and the other 10 remained with the name Israel. And then if you track them through the book of Kings, you'll see that generally the Israelite ones just were off on another, like, it just, yeah, it was far left. And then the Judean ones, you know, every now and again, you know, kind of get one good one, one bad one, one good one, one bad one, good for a bit, and then he goes off and whatever. So that was where we were. So now what has happened is the king of Assyria, now during Hezekiah's reign, I think it was in the fourth year of his reign, they, he besieged um, Samaria, and then in the sixth year, he carried them all off. So that was essentially like the big brother, because I mean, at the beginning, they started 10 tribes to two. I mean, even if you don't know how big those tribes were, mathematics will tell you that probably there were more people in the one than the other. In 10 to two is a big difference. So the whole of that, the, or what used to, what was called Israel at that time, has now been carried off to Assyria. Everything. I mean, they were flattened, finished, carried away. And now the nation of Judah, which is just two tribes, is now left. It says Hezekiah rebelled against the king of Assyria because there was some kind of agreement. You know, we'll sub, you know, subser whatever, be subservient to you. He he'd done that. Then he rebelled. Now the king of Assyria came back was about seven or eight years later. And he started attacking some fortified cities, you know, just further up. And then obviously he was going to come and flatten the whole place. Remembering that the, the big brother and all 10 tribes have been taken away. He's now coming for the two. He's literally carried away the bigger, possibly even wealthier, who used to be our family members. He's carried them, literally taken them. And now he's come for me. There's no one who has stood up to this king. This was like the, the global, I don't know, uh, dictator, superpower, terror of the time. No nation. This was the most powerful nation during that time, during their generation, during that, during that world period. There was no one more power. And he's now knocking on his door saying, you're next. You tell me how, what that's like. He's, not, he's like, hi, you know, I'm here. And then he sends letters and he sends people and everything. So then, so Hezekiah prays, Isaiah's around at that time, Isaiah cries out to God, and God brings about a deliverance. You read in the book of Kings, it says, in one night, an angel went and struck down 185,000. I mean, that's a big number. So you must imagine how many were, how many were there. And you imagine this, this army, which has rooted kingdoms, two, three, four, five, I don't know how many hundred thousand are there on your doorstep saying, hi. Our army is bigger probably than your whole population. The angel cut down 185,000 of them. And then what happens? Then, we'll, then you see that the king then gets embarrassed. He goes home. Um, uh, let's see. So he returned shamefaced to his own land. And when he had gone into his temple of his God, some of his own offspring struck him down with the sword there. Hezekiah became global headline overnight. No one had stood up to him. With, nobody knew how it, maybe some knew, oh, there's this God they serve, but everyone served gods. So there's something this guy did with their little tiny, almost like, you know, um, 
like Ahab, this kind of little flock of sheep, you know, compared to this whole, you know, um, hills full of camels, this whole little flock of sheep. They did something. They've just defeated. In one day, they cut down not just anyone, but you can see who there were, 185,000 Assyrians. One day, done. And now the king's gone back. And to, on top of that, the king has now died himself. The king got, they would have definitely linked that together. That's where Hezekiah found himself. Okay? Just stick with me. Verse 22. Thus the Lord saved Hezekiah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem <coughs> from the hand of Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, and from the hand of all others, and guided them on every side. Now listen to this, verse 23. And many brought gifts to the Lord at Jerusalem and presents to Hezekiah, king of Judah. So he was exalted in the sight of all nations thereafter. This guy was a global headline. No one had been able to do what he did. So, I mean, talk about it. You know, he was, he was, he was up there. So this is the, this is the backdrop of where, of where Hezekiah finds himself. He's just defeated. God has defeated. But he was in position to defeat the, the global enemy. And he's, and he's done that. And the king died. 24. In those days, Hezekiah was sick and near death. And he prayed to the Lord. And he spoke to him and gave him a sign. That's 24. And if you read in Kings, you read in, in Isaiah, you'll see that, you know, he cried out to him. So Isaiah went there. So just picture this. And this is important for the context. So picture this. He's, Isaiah has been sent to him. And he says, the Lord said, go to him and tell him he must put his house in order because he's going to die. Hezekiah's like, okay, no, I hear what you're saying. Well, he didn't say that. He was wailing probably. He turned to the side because he was in bed. He was sick. He couldn't move. Turned to the wall, started, cried out to God. Before Hezekiah had left, God said, listen, go back and tell him that I've heard him crying and I'm going to give him another 15 years. Hallelujah. Well, yeah, look, if you see what he did in those 15 years, it wasn't such a, wasn't such a great thing. So he got 15 extra years. He didn't, didn't use them very well. Um, his son became the, yeah, anyway, so you can go and read what happened. So he got 15 extra years, didn't use it so well. So this is what he's done. He's just defeated under his oversight, the, the global um, terror, the global, the most ruthless power in, during that has been defeated. God himself, the Lord God Almighty, who did the defeating, has come to him and said, you're going to leave. I prayed, and God has changed it, and God has now done something different. This is where he finds himself. He's on this, I don't know, he's up there somewhere. You know, things are just flowing. So he's defeating people. You know, God is coming, this massive God. And he prays, and God's like, actually, you know what? It's fine. We will, we will make some adjustments, and you can have 15 extra years. That's quite a, I mean, whatever. Unless you're quite strong, that, that place, you're not, yeah. You're not going to do well to continue in that place unless your, your heart is in the right place. So let's look at what 25 says. But Hezekiah did not repay according to the favor shown him. For his heart was lifted up. And what happened? Therefore wrath was looming over him and over Judah and Jerusalem. Once you get to the peak, it's not a joke. It's, 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 we think, myself included, it's, it's exciting to think of getting there. When you get there, there are different enemies which will take you out if you are not focused. 
I mean, this guy, like there, there weren't really any worldly accomplishments he could still do. I mean, what could he still do? You read on verse 27, he had riches and wealth. I mean, he had storehouses for gold and other ones for silver and precious stones. I mean, there was nothing he lacked. But yet, after him came the most wicked king that that nation had ever seen. In fact, out of both kingdoms, the most wicked king probably in the history of that, of maybe even in the Bible. From a, within Israel anyway, the most wicked king. So obviously something got lost. When you're at the peak, we need to take cognizance. So we're going to maybe look at some prayers afterwards. There's, there's also some preparation we need to do so that when we get there, we will remain there. You know, my heart breaks when I think of Solomon. You know, what, what and, I'm, and I'm not necessarily saying, hopefully, I mean, I would have continued standing. It's easy to look at someone and just say, you know what? But, but what could have been? if he'd continued all the way to the end. He repented at the end, true, and he ended up in heaven, it's fine. But, I mean, the, what he handed over and how things finished was far from what God wanted. I mean, he, was, he got to the height of everything. There was, no, I mean, globally, people would come for his counsel. I mean, just globally, they'd come for his counsel. There was nothing he lacked, nothing he fell short in. But yet, he didn't finish strong. He finished and made it to heaven, but he didn't finish strong. Amen. So I'm, so I'm believing God today. As we, go, as we go through this, you know, look, defeating giants at the peak, that God will give us wisdom for our situation, our life, our context. There are peaks ahead. They are just there. there are, I mean, think all the word we get, you know, everything that happens in this church, all the, the, the prayers we pray, the content, the spiritual, I mean, there's so much. It can't but lift you. But when we get lifted, we want to not only remain, but we want to then move on Amen. to the next peak, to the next thing to accomplish, to the next nation, whatever. We want to keep moving. Amen. Okay. So, I'm going to give you one more, one more example. This is a very well-known one, an example. But let's go to Judges chapter 16. Judges chapter 16. So we see from, if you see from verse 13, so this is the story of Samson from verse 13, um, chapter 13, Samson was born, there was a high, very high degree of consecration which he lived by, there was a, there was a way that he lived, you know, his parents were even told, you know, you can't drink, you, um, he mustn't cut his hair, there was some very strict guidelines which he had to live by, and that's, that's where he started off. Then verse 16, chapter 16, it's very interesting. So let me just read the verse, first three verses of chapter 16. It says, <clears throat> Now Samson went to Gaza and saw a harlot there and went into her. Then the Gazites were told, Samson has come here. They surrounded the place and lay in wait for him all night at the gate of the city. They were quiet all night, saying, In the morning, when it is daylight, we will kill him. Verse 3. And Samson lay low until midnight. Then he arose at midnight, took hold of the doors of the gate of the city and the two gateposts, pulled them up. I mean, just, you know, if you think about Peter, he couldn't get out the gate. It was so big. So, I mean, this was probably even bigger. It was enormous, the gates of this big city. He, he um, took hold of the doors of the gate of the city and the two gateposts, pulled them up, bar and all, put them on his shoulders, and carried them to the top of the hill that faces Hebron. 
and sat there and probably had a cup of tea or whatever he did and, and, and enjoyed himself. So what's interesting is if you look until this point, Samson has been unstoppable. He has had victory after re- everything which has come against him. He's crushed. Not even, not even just like it was, a, it was a tight, you know, he was lapping the opposition, like properly. So, I mean, there were 300 foxes he tied together. And, and I mean, I heard it said by someone before. I mean, I don't know if you've, you can't even catch chickens. Never mind trying to catch a fox. I mean, they are, they, I mean, people joke about, you know, if you want to really, you know, make someone look like, you know, a bit stupid, you make them go and catch, you know, go and catch a chicken. I mean, they'll be, you know, two, three hours later, they'll still be trying. Now, a fox is even worse. He caught 300 foxes. How he held them or tied them or, and then he tied two of them together, two and two, and put torches in there. He did this by himself, it seems. How he did that, I, I don't know. 300 foxes, so 150, they went two by two, not into the ark, into the field of the Philistines, you know, burned it down. So they went two by two, except they were all the same. How he caught 300 foxes, I not I mean, I guess that's maybe the spirit of might in operation. I mean, the speed he must have, I mean, I don't know how he did it. So he obviously did something, probably some serious wisdom. So, I mean, he killed a lion, 300 foxes. What did he do after? Then the the jawbone of a donkey, 1,000 people. I mean, just everything they did, like he finished them. So so if you're talking about enemies on the path, on his way, I mean, they, they came at him, crushed. Came at him, crushed. Came at him, crushed. I mean, he just was, so the enemy was like, listen, we need a different strategy. This head on, I can't take him head on. I just get crushed every single, we need something different. And that's why we, what happened in verse four onwards. But the thing I want you to note, so is that you can see, and even before this, he'd started kind of, you know, his consecration, you know, every now and again, he'd step out and do a bit of what he shouldn't. But now what he's doing here is he's going down, he lay with a, he, he, he slept with a prostitute, um, and then he carried on sort of like, you know, whatever, like Pastor Uber said, you know, shook himself off, stood up, and, you know, carried on, which was fine. It worked that time, but we all know how the story ended. That time it worked. He was already starting to step out of, um, there's there's something someone said to me. So his consecration is what got him there. But now he wanted to then continue just anyhow while he was there. Just do the mathematics and try and work out if you think how far you're going to get. Your consecration gets you there and now you want to change your lifestyle to maintain yourself at a high point. It sounds logical. I mean, it sounds, it sounds easy if we're standing here and looking at it from the outside. When you're in that situation, it's probably not that easy to assess because the thing happens gradually depending on your, your um, personality, your culture, your background, your belief system, your strengths, your weaknesses. It depends on all of that. There's an approach that comes. So it's not going to look the same for each one of us. So when we start talking about the peak, we need to take note. So he started compromising already here, but he then stepped out and everything worked as it used to work. I don't know what was going through his head, but definitely he continued with not living how he should and then, you know, still getting some results for a period of time. For a period of time. This Christian walk is not a joke. Guys, this, this, walk, this Christian walk is not a joke. 
Um, <clears throat> but we can finish strong. We've got many, many, many examples which, which inspires me. So let's go on to verse 4. It says, <clears throat> Afterward it happened that he loved a woman in the valley, valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. And the lords of the Philistines came up to her and said to her, I think between Delilah and Jezebel, those are the two names which, whether, you, whether you've ever read the Bible or not, you've, 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 heard those, you've heard those names before. So, so, he married the, so what he loved the woman in the valley of, of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. I mean, this was a daughter of the, the arch enemies who were currently suppressing the nation he lived in. This is a daughter of the people who he just killed a thousand of with a, you know, with a jawbone of a donkey. He'd burnt down their vines, their grain, their, you know, just be with the foxes. And now he's, now he's going down to, you know, and it's always interesting when the, whenever the Bible says going down, it's always, you know, it's also, it's also got symbolic. So he went down. No, we know he was going down. So he went down. And he, 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 he engaged and loved this woman, which was clearly not the right thing. But here's the thing, which I heard someone say the other day. Um, uh, to the end of verse 5, it says, Entice him and find out. And the Lord, okay, let me start from the beginning of verse 5. And the lords of the Philistines came up to her and said to her, Entice him. Find out where his great strength lies and by what means we may overpower him. A different strategy. That we may bind him to afflict him. I mean, it was clear what they wanted to do. And every one of us will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. I mean, that's a lot. Jesus was sold for 30 pieces of silver to Judas. So 1,100 per, per one of those five laws. That's a ma- I mean, that's some... That's some good millions. I mean, that's, that's a massive amount of money. Probably the next couple of generations will be sorted. That's a lot. Okay, so, but here's the thing. You look at Delilah, and maybe it's, I don't know if she was short, she was tall or whatever, but she probably didn't look too um, uh, dangerous. There were five lords of the Philistines and 1,100 per person sitting just behind her. And that wasn't obvious. Samson, I don't know. What could have happened is he looked at, you know, and he's like, oh, no, I can manage this. It's okay. I can, she's so, I mean, you know, I mean, I took up the city gates last time. I went into a prostitute. I, I removed the city gates. What's this little lady, you know? What, 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 what is she compared to me and my level? You know, my strength, where I'm at, what I've overcome. I killed a thousand people the other day, you know, and it just, it was because I found a bone lying in the ground. I mean, I tied foxes, 300 of them together. I caught them. <laughs> I mean, do you, like, do you know who I, I mean? Compared to my level, what can this person do? And that's what we face when we get to the peak. It's so subtle. It's so crafty. It's not obvious, but it's waiting there. It's not the same strategy. It's not, it's not head-on confrontation. It's not, because they tried that. Head-on confrontation didn't work. That's why you got to the peak. So now it's time for something different. The enemy is very crafty. But like, but like it says in the, I think it's Paul or Peter, both of them, he says, we are not unaware of his schemes. That's why we're being prepared. There's a peak ahead for every single one of us. And it's probably just there. That's why we need to know these things. That's why we're being prepared. 
so that we can ready our hearts so when we get there, we'll stand. It's not a question. I mean, you know, if the peak, God wouldn't grant you a peak if you couldn't stand there. The peak's not just, yeah, anyway. So, okay. So that's verse 5. <clears throat> 1,100 pieces of silver per person. That's a, sure. Yeah, it's a, it's a big, it's a, it's very big. So verse 6. So Delilah said to Samson, please tell me where your great strength lies and what you may be bound to afflict you. I think, I think Pastor Uber shared, I shared on this before. I mean, let me not spend long here, but she said to him directly, How, what can I do to overcome you? What can I do to bind you so you can be afflicted? Not, not like, so you can be afflicted. Like, I want you to be afflicted. I, and like, it's black and white. Like, it's not, it's not hiding what the outcome is. It shows you something had started to rise on the inside. There's a, oh, no, I can handle this. It's okay. There's a bit of fire. Like, I'm starting to play, but it's okay. So, and Samson said to her, if you bind me with seven bowstrings, not yet dried, you know, um, I shall become as weak, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So the lords of the Philistines bought her the seven fresh bowstrings. Well, let me just carry on. Dried them, and then obviously she said, the Philistines are upon you. He jumped up. You broke the things, you know. And then um, she got upset, and he moved forward. And then she asked again, okay, going down from verse 10, um, and then he says, you know, what, what can you be bound with? Verse 10, he says, new ropes, um, new ropes that have never been used, and I'll become as weak as every other man. Same thing, and then obviously she tries that. Samson, the Philistines are here, jumps up, and nothing happens. Then, then she gets upset, and he says, okay, if you, it's interesting now, as he now starts talking about his hair. If you weave seven locks of my head into the web of a loom, then obviously, you know, I can't. So it's, it's interesting. He started, you know, because the secret was the hair. If you cut it off, it's a problem. And it's interesting that he started to go there. It's like, I mean, he's just one toe away, you know, from, from what he really shouldn't be doing, from throwing everything away. So she weaves his hand to the loom, and obviously then nothing happens. And so then, um, where does it? Anyway, it carries on and on and on. And then um, it said, where's the... Verse 16, so that his soul was vexed to death because she kept asking and pushing and wanting and, and whatever. And that may be or that may not be. But the thing is, if you weren't supposed to be in the first place, then, you know, you could have just got up and left and you wouldn't have any more vexing to death. You would have been fine. There's been no more vexing. Like, if you're not supposed to be there and you're getting vexed. So, and then, and then what happens is the, the, obviously, we know the story. Hair gets cut off, hair gets shaved, and then Samson gets... Philistines come, arrest him, sure, put out his eyes, put him in their grain mill to go and tread grain, and then obviously turns it all around, prays to God, God restores him to a certain extent, and then brings down the temple, and he kills more people with that one act than he had through his entire life. But it didn't need to end there. It didn't need to end like that. I mean, it, sure, it was a glorious ending, but it yeah, that's why Hebrews said these things are written for our learning. Um, you know, some of these stories you read, you're just like, hey, God. But then I think, you know, you also think to yourself, well, you know, would I have been any different? Would, would I have acted differently? So that's why we need this to kind of show us to then pray into and look at some of these areas and say, okay, change them. So that when we get to that opportunity, we'll stand very strong. Okay. So let me just read something very quickly, and then we'll, I think maybe one more scripture, almost. <clears throat> so, 
So the whole focus of this giant that you find at the top, I've tried to summarize it a little bit. It's not conclu exclusive, uh, conclusive, but I just wrote a couple of things here. So um, number one, it wants us to lay aside, it's not even in order, it's just some points. It gets us to lay aside our, con our consecration. Our consecration is our, our, our set-apartness. You know, those things we do which you can have this almost like general consecration and specific consecration. So there are those general things which you would do as a Christian and those specific things God has said to you. Like, okay, you need to read the Bible twice a day, for example. We know we need to read the Bible, but for you it could be a certain amount or a certain passage over a period of time. It could be, um, look, you need to put in extra prayer, you need to, whatever it might be. But you know, there'll be some specific consecration to you, and then there'll be some general things we know as a Christian you need to do. So once you get to the, the giants at the top will try to get you to move away from that. Remembering your consecration is what got you there. And just like it took a while to build up, it also takes a while to fade. It doesn't just go like that. Samson saw that. It doesn't just go overnight. And that's the scary part. That's why we can get caught up so quickly because you do it once or twice. You've moved away some things, but you're still getting results. It's only a matter of time. Only a matter of time. Okay, so number one, we move away from our con consecration. Number two, we belittle the process, like the process of how we got there. Who helped us? How many hours did we put in praying? How many tears were there? How many sacrifices were there? How much crying was there? How many sacrifices did I need to make? Maybe like, you know, I fasted this or, or even just sacrifices. Maybe there was some giving I did or some things I gave up or some things I laid down. So we the giant gets you to belittle the process. You look down on the process, how I got there. There were some people which opened up some doors. Maybe you were very committed to... Uh, attending every church meeting, for example. And, you know, there was a process you went, you like, you know, you didn't miss any meeting. And then every meeting you got something, which was another piece of the puzzle. But now you got there and you're like, well, I'm here. <laughs> we don't need any more pieces. You know, the puzzle's together. That's what can happen sometimes. So we belittle the, pro and once we belittle that process, that's pride starting to settle in. And as that comes in, I mean, obviously, you know, we saw that's what happened with Hezekiah, probably every other king. Pride, also the challenge with pride, pride blinds you. Yeah. I remember someone, so in other words, you, there's a saying that you're always the last person to know if you're proud, which is true. But you don't, you can't recognize it. It's very difficult to recognize because it, it's, it blinds you. So that area where pride setting, you actually can't see it. So if you sit and try and assess yourself, chances are you won't be able to recognize pride. God has to reveal it to you. So probably myself foremost, every single one of us have got aspects of pride. Definitely. Definitely. We can't see it. It's just this human something, you know, that we... So that's why we need to stay on our knees, even if we've arrived, so to speak. You know, even if... You know, everything is just flying everywhere. We need to stay on our knees because that's the only way, yeah, because that's how we got there. Now, if you change the strategy, probably you won't stay there. Anyway, so, so we belittle the process. Um, we move away from our convictions. There's a, there's a conviction like this is how I should live. This is what I should do. This is a no. This is a yes. These things are no's. And so, suddenly those no's start becoming maybe's 
or possible or okay or let's try or maybe just see or just once. That's what happens at the peak. It's the, say so things are coming alongside you to be your friend. And then, now nah, let's, you know, this is what we do up here. You know, this is how we roll. Like, you've got here now. So this is, you know, this is what it looks like in this group. So, um, yeah. Um, and as I said, how you used to live. There's a, there's a lifestyle you maintained. I mean, if it was, if it was good enough to, for Jesus to maintain the lifestyle right until the end, probably it's good enough for us. Probably it's, it's critical for us. Let me not say good enough. But it was good enough for Jesus to maintain a lifestyle right until the end with the phenomenal exploits that he saw. Probably, if he's our model, then probably we should maintain the same example. And it's probably, as they say, you know, hazardous to your health if you don't. So that's how Jesus maintained his position at the top with the same as what, you know, what he was doing all along. Heavy. Lot to lot to think about. So, as I said, the results we got as a, are as a result of our consecration. So, it's to try and it's often to try and weaken you little bit by little bit by little bit. It's a very different approach. It's a modified approach. So, it's a whispering. It's a craftiness. That's what you have to look out. Not coming, uh, you know, in your face. It's not like that anymore. It was like that on the way. It's not like that at the top generally. It's very different. That's why you've got to stay alert. Be sober. Remember, um, how long did we do that for? What, like we, we were being sober? Well, we were being sober all the time. I was going to say, we were being sober for about almost 10 weeks. But no, we're supposed to always be sober. But remember, we went, there was like nine or 10 weeks. Be sober, be vigilant. I just had one little, had one little one. So it, I guess it's important. Not only on the way up, so to speak, but once you are there, wherever you are, be sober, be vigilant. So, yeah. Um, let's, so there are plenty of examples, if you look through the scriptures, of people who, um, they got to a point, they got to a peak, and then it, you know, didn't go so well. Uh, Moses is another example. We've mentioned Solomon. Um, yeah, there are plenty. So let's have a look at um, someone who did, who, didn't, who did do well, you know, who got to a peak and managed to maintain it. So one quick example. They're a fair amount, but I want us to look at one, which... And I'll pull something out of that. So Luke chapter 4, good example is our Lord Jesus. As I said, I mean, just, just even if, or maybe let me even speak to myself. If that's the one thing which we carry out of today is that Jesus maintained a certain lifestyle even after he saw magnificent results on a consistent basis. Even if he, especially if he had to maintain that lifestyle, <laughs> How much more? <laughs> you know, us that, are, uh, us that are still trying to, you know, trying to kind of, he's our example of how God ordained for us to live. And we're still trying to get there. It's like they say, you know, if Jesus prayed, <laughs> how much more? You know, so he maintained that example, that consecration, that, that standard all the way to the end. We don't have an option. We have to. That's how you, so you getting to the peak is one thing. Staying at the peak. And it might look like, yeah, staying at the peak is, is something else. You know, they're you know, often saying in, in sport or whatever, you know, getting to number one is not that difficult. It's remaining at number one as a problem because you become a target for everyone. You are suddenly public enemy number one. When you, are at the, when you peak in something, suddenly all eyes are on you. 
and we can't think that's any different from a spiritual point of view. So more resources will be allocated in your direction. Hallelujah. But because we are defeating giants, even if that one comes, we will be ready and we will crush it. Its head will be chopped off. It will come. It will come. It can come. It's fine. It can bring its cousin and its friend. It's okay. Deal with every single one of them. Because we were made for the peak. We were designed for the peak. We will get there. We will stand there. We will prevail there. We will forward the kingdom from there. And then we'll move to another peak. Hallelujah. And then we'll move to another one. Until we have fulfilled everything God has called us to. And we will finish on a high. We will finish well and we will finish strong. Hallelujah. We will do that in this life. That is our portion and that is what we have access to in Christ. It is possible. But probably there's a lifestyle that needs to be maintained. So if it was that easy just to maintain it, well, then we wouldn't have to, I guess we wouldn't be talking about this. So it needs some discipline, I think. Once, once you're at the top and everyone else is maybe doing something different. However they got there is up to them. But you know that you want to stay there. Amen. Amen. I'm so excited. Many, many peaks ahead of us for, the, for, for, for our church Amen. and for those in our church. Many, many, many peaks. And I believe God is sending us the word we need so we can stand there and shine. Like Jesus on the, on the Mount of Transfiguration. Just this glory and then maintain that going forward. I don't know about you. That sounds incredible. Amen. <clears throat> so we will maintain that standard, maintain that glory, and glorify, and finish strong. There's no option. We will, we will, we will finish strong. We will finish strong. That is, our, that is what we're called to. If it wasn't possible, then I guess the Bible would have been written a little bit differently. There would have been some other things put in here if it wasn't possible to finish strong. So, very quickly, you know the story, Luke chapter 4, uh, Jesus in the wilderness, he's now, he's now um, uh, gone on a 40-day fast, and it said after that he was hungry, and obviously the enemy came right at the end, well, that's hard to put in here anyway, the enemy came right at the end, he tried to, tried to bring down, I mean, he's gone for 40 days, and then just after the enemy, it says he returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. So there were some things that got accomplished during that time. There were some major peaks that got hit. There were some, I mean, there were some things that got hit. And then he went in the power of the Spirit after. The enemy came. He's like, look, I know what's going to come afterwards. If I can take him out here, that's not going to happen. So he'd already peaked to a certain point, but there was still more to come. So the enemy came in. And he's like, no, listen, you're hungry, you know, make some, some stones. Oh, no, but if you're really, you know, what God said, if you're really the Son of God, Oh, no, throw yourself down because, you know, let's just prove. Let's just try this thing. I guess he's appealing to his ego. And then that's not working. So he's like, well, here's everything that I have. Um, and you can have all of it. Um, obviously, you'll be under me. But you can have everything. All you need to do is worship me. Well, that's what he wants anyway. That's all you've got to do. But you can have everything. Everything. And you can be number two to me. Never mind the people that are already. It's fine. Well, displace them. You can be the new number two. So that's what he did. He saw what was coming. But Jesus, but here's the thing. Jesus had what it was necessary. He had what it took to stand at the peak, to stand on the mountain. And that's the most important thing. He had what, it, what was needed to stand there. 
And that's what we're going to trust and pray that God is speaking to us about. What areas do we need to adjust before we get there? And we're going to pray that into, we're going to pray that into place after we finish today. Amen. Spend maybe a short time praying. But we're going to pray so and say, God, the peak is coming. It's just there. I want, whatever needs to be in place, I want it to be in place. So that when I stand, like some of the other examples, I will stand and I will continue to stand. Imagine, you've put in so much hard work to get there. Anyway, so, yeah, then he goes through the different temptations. And then verse 13, it says, And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Heard the scripture preached many times. And that's the truth. It's an opportunity. He's looking for an opportune time. And he'll modify his approach depending on the season. It's not something to be scared of for a second because God's grace is magnificently sufficient. But it's just to know that you shouldn't always expect the same way. That's all. You shouldn't always expect the same approach because he's going he's gonna to look at everything. That's why we need to stay on our knees. Even when it looks good. <laughs> even when it feels good. Even when it's comfortable. Even when it's nice. We still need to stay on our knees. Our knees are what got us there. So if we get up off our knees, well then, I, I guess we're trying to sustain it ourselves. Amen. Last scripture I'm going to read. John chapter 14, verse 13. And then, I think, then we're going to pray. Um. <clears throat> Is it 14, verse 13? Just give me a second. Um. Oh, yeah, it is 30. Um, it says, I will no longer, let me read from 29. And now I have told you before it comes, that when it does come to you to pass, you may believe. I believe God is speaking to us before. Verse 30. I will no longer talk much to you, for the ruler of this world is coming, and he has nothing in me. That needs to be our testimony. When we, when, whatever peak it is that's coming for us, whenever we peak, the enemy must be able to find nothing. Because he can find something, he can use something. So that's what we're going to pray. There's a, there's a peak ahead for each one of us. And there are things we need to deal with before we get to that peak. And it might be different for the next peak. But for this peak, God will speak and say, listen, this is what I need you to focus on. So that when you get to that peak, whatever comes, you'll stand. You won't be able, you'll be immovable because they're certain, the enemy, he's got, a, I guess, a fairly good idea of, you know, what's going on, what buttons to push. So we want all of those buttons to be rendered ineffective. Amen. So by the time we stand, it's just, and then we're ready for, the, okay, God, then we're ready for the next peak. There are so many peaks in our lives and so many more to come. I mean, there are nations to take. There's so much to do. But when you get to a peak, there's, an, there's a giant that will come, and we need to know how to deal with that giant. And we can't look down on what got us there. Amen. Keep staying. What, got, what took us there, we need to keep doing that. Hallelujah. So, yeah, our prayer is that when, when, when we, as we, as we get to whatever the peak is, whatever our next peak is, that he will have nothing in us. There will be nothing he will come and he will knock here, close. Knock here, close. Try there, ineffective. Try that, nothing. Try that, no response. Hallelujah. We'll get absolutely no response. So what I want us to do is we're going to pray. And we're going to say, God. I wrote it. Oh, hold on. Just give me a second. I want to word it properly. Um, I want us to pray, Lord, 
any weak points or any area where I'm susceptible, come and speak to me. That's why, I mean, it's, it's, a, it, it can't, it's going to look different for each one of us. It comple- I mean, I can't, I can't pray that for any of you. I can only pray it for myself. Where am I susceptible? Where are some of the weak points? Where are some of the buttons that might be pushed? What we're doing is ahead of time, we're dealing with what the enemy could use. Hallelujah. That's why Jesus was so effective in the wilderness. Because the wilderness came at the right time and he was ready for whatever the enemy did. So what we are doing now, and that's why this series and even today is so powerful. We are praying ahead and we're saying, God, because some of these things might take maybe, you know, more than a week or, you know, some months or whatever. It might take some time to deal with. It might be quick. It might be, it doesn't matter. It's what's specific to you. God, speak to me. What do I need to sort out before I peak? What do, so that I will stand when I peak. So I will remain there. I mean, you've put in, you've got any peak is hard work. A peak is something you got. It's not, you know, you've put in so much hard work to get to that peak. Yeah, God has done it and strengthened you, but there's some sacrifices you did, some giving and some many things. You don't want to just be there, peak and then, you know, and, and peak. If there's such a, if there's a peak and then, and then drop. It's, I just, it's horrible to even think, we want to stay there. But in order to stay there, we've got to make sure that anything that will take us down from there is dealt with. There's something that is needed, that needs to get sorted out for the next peak. And I want us to sort that out this morning. Hallelujah. So we're going to pray. I'm sure the time is probably, okay. So the time is gone. So we're not going to pray for very long, but we're going to start praying. And please continue this prayer at home. I'm just, yeah. I can't, I can't answer for any of anyone here. You can only answer for yourself. Let's start praying. We're going to ask, say, God, speak to me today. I need to hear from you. He may have spoken already, but he needs to speak. What are the areas for me that I need to address? Because when I get to that peak, I'm standing and I'm staying. I am not moving from that peak. And from there, I'm going to move to another peak. Hallelujah. And I'm going to keep moving from peak to peak until you call me home. I'm not going to drop one peak. But some people made it and some people didn't. And it's got to do with what's happening on the inside. So can we pray? Father, we bless you this morning. We honor you. We give you glory. We give you praise. Father, we commit our hearts to you. We just commit to you everything that concerns us. And we say, Lord God, speak to us this morning. Speak to us. Speak to us. Speak to us. May you use your word. May you use your light. Shine your light on the inside in the name of Jesus. There are different things for every single person here, Lord God. Very, very, very different things. Lord, it could be anything. Speak to us could be something we've carried for years it could be something it could be anything speak to us speak to us speak to us. shine your light show me what i need to deal with show me what i need to address lord god show me what i need to address show me what i need to address lord what area in my heart what area in my life needs to be addressed before i can stand victorious on that peak before I can wave the flag of victory, the flag of heaven, the flag of Jesus Christ on that mountain, on that peak, before I can wave it, and I will continue to wave it, and all who know me will watch me, will see me wave it, and I will not, and I will not fall, I will not stumble as I wave that. Lord God, 
there's no way that you have ordained peaks for us if it's not possible for us to remain there. Jesus died on the cross. He did everything we need for us to stand, for us to continue, for us to be resolute, for us to be immovable and unshakable in the name of Jesus. Expose every single area in our hearts, Lord God, that needs to be exposed in the name of Jesus so that we will stand at the peak, so that we will glorify you at the peak, so that we will remain at the peak, so we will move to the next peak, so we even on that peak, we will change things. We will change the status quo on that peak in the name of Jesus. God, nothing can snatch us out of your hand. You love us. You love us. You love us. You love us, Lord God, more than we can think, imagine, more than we realize. You only want us to prevail. You only want us to prosper. You only want us to stand. And you only want us to continue standing. So, Father, this morning, in line with your love, as a result of your love, May you show us, may you open up our eyes, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. Every heart, open up every heart, open up every heart, open up every heart, Lord God. Help us, help us, help us, help us this morning, Lord God. Show us what we need to see. Let the spirit of revelation flow in the name of Jesus. Let the spirit of understanding flow in the name of Jesus. Let the spirit of wisdom flow in the name of Jesus. Let every veil be removed. Every covering be removed. Anything that is, that is fogged or affected our eyesight until today in the name of Jesus. Let it be removed. We ask for 2020 vision today. Clear vision on our lives. Clear vision on our hearts. Clear vision on what you are saying in the name of Jesus. Clear vision so we can go forward and glorify your name. Clear vision so that we will continue to stand. Clear vision so we can ascend, Lord God. We will take hold of that peak and we will remain in the name of Jesus. So Father, we thank you for how much you love us and how good you are. Thank you for sending your word to us this morning. Opening our eyes, Lord God, concerning your will, your goodness, your will and your plan for our life in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for doing more than we could ask or imagine, for speaking to each of us, Lord God. We honor you. We give you glory. We declare every person blessed in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. This ministry has come to you live from Every Nation Midrand. For other life-changing messages and more information, log on to www.everynationmidrand.org.